It's good to see you. It's really good to see you. Welcome. Welcome to the porch. We're really glad you're here. If this happens to be your first time, a very, very special welcome to you, uh, especially if you're with us online or listening in later on the podcast. So um, today we are going to be in the book of Jonah. And um, so if you want to turn there in your Bible and listen, no shame, you can go to the front Look and see where Jonah is, and then go to that page number. And if you don't have your Bible, that's fine, because it's going to be on the screen as well. While you're doing that, I want to mention something that we just didn't have time to get into our announcements. Um, what Do you know our tagline here? We say we're following Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Especially whoever was really really loud about that back there. Good job. We're following Jesus for our community. That's what we say we're doing, and that's what we are trying to do and everything. And so here's the deal. We have some community neighbors just right down the road at Dewar Elementary School, and we want to bless the students and thus the teachers by getting them some school supplies for this upcoming year. So actually, they're right there. That's where their school is. I was pointing over there. They're right over there. Um, and so here's the deal. We did a Christmas impact last uh, December, and we have about 50 backpacks left over. So we've got the backpacks. We just are going to ask you guys to follow Jesus for your community by going to Target. I mean, isn't that just a, I mean, good, I got to do it, honey, because we got to follow Jesus. So I got to go to Target. Um, but follow Jesus for, for our community. Go to Target, you know, Walmart, Dollar Tree, whatever, Amazon. That's what I did last night. But we've got our school supplies. You can screenshot that right now if you want to, but it will be up on uh, social media and the website later. But these are the supplies we are asking you to get and bring back to us. Um, and here's the deal. Uh, yeah, so we kind of need them. <laughs> what we'd love to do is have the school supplies ready to give to the school the day that they have open house so that the teachers know what they have and they might be able to help and, and those kinds of things. So what we're saying is by August 3rd, you could bring some school supplies, you can drop them off, bring it on a Sunday, bring it during the week, get in touch with any of us on staff. We'll collect them all. We have a ministry board meeting on um, Tuesday night, August 3rd, and one of the things we're gonna do as a ministry board is we're gonna put the backpacks together and then first thing on Thursday morning, uh, we'll run them over there and, and bless them. We just want to let them know that we are praying for them and rooting for them uh, this school year. So I hope that you'll do this. And um, as you maybe are parents and you've got kids and you're out buying school supplies, that you'll add this on there as well. Um, so I did mine, like I said, Amazon last night. It took me just a couple minutes and I, and I got everything on that list, actually. So, um, so yeah, we're going to... Do that. So I hope you'll be a part of that for sure. Um, we are in, see, and that gave you time to find Jonah. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's pray real quick. God, thank you that we, um, that we get to be a, a very a real presence for people in our community. And this is just one little way that we're going to do this. Um, with the school supplies, and we think about it, and so it's just a pack of pencils or just some glue or whatever, but, but those will be in the hands of your very, very precious kids. And um, so, God, I pray that in our act of buying a couple of things, we are uh, reminded and, and we're intentional, we're moved by the fact that it's, it's going to bless us. A student, and like I said, thus a teacher. 
making sure that these kids have what they need. Thank you that we get to do these things. Um, God, speak to us now through your word, through, through the book of Jonah. Show us um, something that maybe we've never seen before. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in the seventh week. So we're gonna, next week we're going to finish up this summer series we've been doing called Something in the Water. And every week we've looked at a passage of scripture or a larger passage. And, and we've looked at how God has used water in a very profound way and, and what he used it for in the scriptures. And goodness gracious, I am very sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, what he did in the, the scriptures, but then also how we learn about this like right now. Okay, so there's something in the water. And with Jonah, we definitely know there's, there's something in the water. All right, real quick, quick survey, because there's different um, schools of thought on this. Um, so... All right, who thinks it's a whale? There's whale or big fish? Is it a whale? Is it, is it a whale? We got some whales, okay? Not you, but yeah. And big fish? We got big fish? All right, whales, big fish. All right, people are like, I don't know. Give me more. All right, so the Greek word, there's a Hebrew word, dog, not like a rough, rough, but like D-A-H-G that's used. And then actually later in Matthew 12, I don't have this on the screen, but Jesus actually retells the story of Jonah. And in that, the Greek word is this word ketos. And ketos is, the, the definition is a large sea creature, a sea monster, or a huge fish. So it still is pretty much wide open. If you thought you were going to get the answer to that question today, no, you're not. Um, that is the definition a large sea creature, sea monster, or a huge fish. So Jonah chapter 1, let's start in here. We're going to look at a, a good section here in chapter 1, and we're also going to be in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And what I want us to do, I've got four points that I want us to look at today and take from how Jonah hears from God and how he chooses to respond and see if we might relate to this. But let's start here in Jonah 1, 1. It says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. This is what the Lord said. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. All right? So I just want to pause right there. So... Here's the first point that I want us to, to digest, and I think we can get this, is that um, the Lord, if you're a follower of Jesus, most especially, but the Lord might ask you to do something that you do not want to do. It, it might happen. The Lord might ask you to do something you, you do not want to do. The beginning of verse 3 makes that very clear that Jonah did not want to do what the Lord asked him to do. And as much as, much as I would like to say that this is just a Jonah issue, <laughs> this is also a you and me issue. Okay, this is also us. This is not just, oh, well, that... That old dumb Jonah. No, that's, that's not how that works. So um, God, because God speaks to us, God nudges us 
He speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. You and I, we live in a new covenant. It's different than the covenant under which Jonah was. And we live in a time in which God has sent Jesus Christ. And then he has, and when Jesus went back up to heaven, we received the Holy Spirit of God. And so we are in this place where we too hear from the Lord, where, where it might have just been the prophets of old. Now you and I, whoever's a follower of Jesus, we hear from God. And so there's times he nudges us, he speaks to us, he whispers to us. We hear a little something. We're not really sure sometimes, but I'm telling you, most of us in here can probably go, yes, I know what it's like to hear from God. And we hear from him. And often, we just don't want to do it. And I think we do this, and and this is kind of a little side thing, but it's important, I think, for us to, to look at. I think the reason we don't want to do what sometimes we feel like we're supposed to do, that we, we really sense like I was reading God's word and I heard him and I, and I really felt like he told me this is what I need to do and we don't do it, is because we truly think we know what's best. Like almost as if we're like, no, I got all the circ- like God, you don't understand, <laughs> which is just humorous that we would even think that way, but we do. And it's like, no, I know better So I'm not going to do what you want me to do because I know better. And And I think we do this probably more often than we care to admit because we might get advice, right, from someone or we receive instruction or direction from someone. Maybe it's our, uh, you know, a parent or a teacher or our boss, you know, like someone who's in a position of authority and they're like, here, this is what you want you to do. Maybe it's just that little booklet of instructions. It's in like 15 different languages of like how to put the swing set together so it won't maim your children. And we're like, nah, I got it. I'll figure it out. And, and I don't need that. And so I don't, I know you're the professionals, the people that built the swing set, but I'll do this on my own. And we just, we just, this is what we do. And so I want to share with you a very personal, humbling story. It's a story of me not listening uh, to those around me and convincing myself that I knew what was absolutely the best decision for me. It took 10 years, it took a decade for me to, to realize As a senior in high school in 1987, here's a mom joke for you. In the 80s, people, I mean, not in the 80s, people have hairdos. In the 80s, we had hair don'ts. Okay, so one day, I'm blow drying my hair and dry my hair, and I do the, you know, bend over, blow dry the hair, and then flip it back. And when I flipped it back, y'all, my hair had this crazy swoop, like this just swoop. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, that looks really good. I mean, it was just, it was all swooped, the whole thing just totally swooped. So what do you do in 1987 when you blow drying your hair and you look up and your hair is swooped is you grab your, your Aussie instant freeze, fast drying, super hold hairspray. Can I get an amen for my 80s and 90s ladies, right? And I, I just sprayed that thing. I sprayed the swoop so it would stay swooped. I mean, I sprayed it and I just, oh, and I want to let you weigh in on this matter. Okay, here we go. Okay, now, 
you can't really see the swoop yet. I wanted you to have the straight on view that you're going, okay, there's a shadow back there. We don't really know what's going on on this side of her head. The, the left side, it looks, I mean, it looks okay, doesn't it? For 80, okay, here's the side view. Are you ready? Oh, there's the swoop. Mm. Oh, dear. All right, here's a picture from us at graduation practice. There you go. There it is in the daylight. Oh. Mm. And my friends, <laughs> the Lord did not tell me to do that, by the way. The Lord did not appear to me and say, I want you to swoop your hair, Shannon. I truly, with everything within me, I thought this was the very best hairstyle that I could ever have in my senior year, no less, when all the pictures are being taken. No one could tell me different. My friends were like, um, really? Are you sure? Like, they were trying to be nice, but they're like, are you sure about this? Um, my mom was like, really? do you need more hairspray? Really? Can I put it on the grocery list, you know? And I was like, yes, this is the absolute best choice for a hairstyle that anyone could ever possibly have, and I shall wear it. This was my mindset. So flash forward to our 10-year class reunion. Now, I didn't, I didn't wear the swoop for 10 years, okay? But we're looking through these things called photo albums, because um, that's what we brought to our reunion, and we're all looking through our photo albums, and I, and I was standing there, and I said, why didn't somebody say something about my hair? And in unison, like a chorus, of people were like, we tried, we tried to tell you, Shannon, but you wouldn't do any, you wouldn't listen to us. And this is what they said. I mean, I can picture my friend Leslie Torbett just saying that and going, we tried, Shannon, but you wouldn't listen. Here's the point of that. <laughs> and now you've got humbling photographic evidence, by the way, of, of my poor decision. I thought I knew better. I just thought I knew better. Despite the evidence, I thought I knew better. <laughs> and Jonah here thinks he knows better than the Lord. And through his actions, he all but says to God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. I have another plan. Do you connect with that attitude at all? Do you, do you connect with that? You know, maybe somebody has, has hurt you, and as you are seeking God, and you're trying to grab a hold of this and understand it, and, and you're like, oh, I don't, this is just a horrible experience, and, and God might speak to you and say, I want you to forgive that person, but you're like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to forgive them. They hurt me. They wronged me right? I, they, they, don't, they don't deserve forgiveness. I deserve your forgiveness, God, but they do not deserve forgiveness. So I don't want to do that. Even though the nudge was there, the scripture was there, everything was there saying, pursue this. And we're like, no, no, no. I think I know better. I don't want to do that. So the first point that we find here in Jonah is that the Lord might ask you to do something that you don't want to do. And the second point of this story is, if you want to run from God, there will be plenty of opportunities to do so. You don't have to look for him. 
You don't have to hunt for them. It's not going to be a mystery. If you choose not to do what God has told you to do, there will be plenty of opportunities for you to run in the opposite direction. Don't be surprised by that. But like, just know it. It's there. God says, here we go. Look, verse 3 again. Um, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. It didn't say he went in the opposite direction because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He wanted to get away from the Lord. And he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Now, God says, go east. And Jonah's like, no, I'm going to go Find a boat, and I'm going to go really, really west. This is what I'm going to do. Now, a little bit of geographic, geographical perspective here. Jonah, it says he set sail out of Joppa, which is like our modern-day Tel Aviv, Israel. Okay, that's about where it was. And instead of getting on a boat there and going uh, northeast to Nineveh, about 700 or so miles, he instead chooses a boat there that goes to Tarshish, which is... Um, where like Andalusia, Spain is today. About 3,000 miles. Opposite direction. According to, you know, people that know things, it would have taken in that time with that kind of that boat about a year for if Jonah had made it to Tarshish, which you know the, the story here, but if he had made it there, it would have taken about a year for him to get there. You know what that is? That is full-blown commitment to running from God. I mean, that is like, I am in it to win it. Like, I am going to, I'm not just going to ignore you, God. I'm going to go really, really, really far away from you. And, and some, some of us in here today, some of us watching online, some of us listening to this, you might right now completely relate to this attitude that Jonah has. Because you may look on the outside like you're absolutely moving in the direction God wants you to go in, but you know in your heart that you've, you've been going in the opposite direction. So the first point is that the Lord might ask you to do something you don't want to do. Don't be surprised with that. The second point is, is if you want to run from God, there's gonna, you're going to be able to find a way. The port's just right there. The, the ship options are there. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? The third point is this, and this is where we get into the story of Jonah, as many of us learned it as kids, is that God may allow a storm to get your attention if you decide to run. He may allow a storm to get your attention. Because see, as Jonah ran from God and he gets, he buys his ticket, he gets on the boat and he starts to sail away, a storm just starts thrashing the boat that they were a part of to the extent that the very veteran, well-seasoned, salty sailors who were on that boat were like, they were scared. And they had the presence of mind, there was this little side conversation of, of Jonah being a man of God, and so they were like, you know what, this could only be from God, this storm, so they... They chuck Jonah off the side of the boat. And as soon as they do, great news for the sailors, the, so the storm stops. Stops. Still and calm. Not such good news for Jonah. Because this is when the ketos, the big fish, sea creature, whale, 
comes and swallows Jonah up. Verse 17 of Jonah 1, it says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This has to be make-believe, right? This has to be fiction. This has to be lore. This has to be just like a, you know, one of those like parable-type things that, that Jesus did in the New Testament. This can't be real, right? I mentioned to this, this to you last month. It was in uh, like the first or second week of June and a commercial lobsterman off the, the coast of Cape Cod was uh, like free diving, has a little apparatus and was as looking for fish or lobster. And um, he gets caught up in the mouth of a humpback whale. And he says he was like 45 feet deep and he just all of a sudden feels this bump and then next thing you know is it's completely dark. And he realizes he is in the mouth of a whale. And he says he's been there for about 30 seconds. He has his apparatus so he can breathe. And then the next thing he knows, he's being shaken about violently. The whale had risen up out of the water and spat him out of his mouth. That is not fiction and that is not make-believe. And the story of Jonah is not fiction and it is not make-believe. It's real. And so verse 17, the Lord arranged for the fish to do this. And so God made it so that Jonah, who has chosen to not do what he was asked to do, who was trying to get away from God and run as far away from God as he could, the Lord arranged for a storm and a fish to get his attention. And here we find Jonah, swallowed by a sea creature, trapped for 72 hours in total darkness. Which brings me to the fourth and the final point that I want to share with you out of this story. Because to me, this is where the story turns. God can use the darkest point, the darkest moment in your life for his glory, if you let him. He can use this. Even if you chose not to do what he asked you to do to begin with. Even if you choose to run, try to run as far away as you can. And even if the storm comes, God can use the darkest moment if you let him. And you may be facing what you might consider is one of the darkest moments right now. You might be, maybe you're, you feel like you're in that right now, you know, financially or relationally or physically or professionally, like you're like, it is dark and spiritually because of all those other things I just mentioned. It's like, this is, it's, this is dark. I don't see a way out of this. I don't understand why I'm in. Like, can you, Jonah's not going, well, I expected this. Like, he, no one expects to be swallowed by a whale. Like, things happen in our lives and we're like, I, what do we do? I'm in the dark here, and I don't know what to do. Now, I do want to, I'm not saying, because I do not believe this, and I think Scripture upholds this. 
I'm not saying that everything bad that happens in your life, the Lord allowed to happen for you, that it was on purpose that he made this happen. Life happens. We live in an imperfect world. We have imperfect bodies. This is the way it happens. There are people who choose to do evil. There are things that happen. There are things that we have done and said that we wish we could take back, but it changed the course. And I'm not, so I'm not saying that, that, that God, every dark moment you can think of right now that you've experienced is like God like flicking over your chest piece because he's playing a game with your life. No, 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 no. But I do believe that there are times when, when God will use a storm that maybe we've caused. Right? That God will use a storm that maybe somebody else stirred up in our lives, and, but we were in the middle of it. That, that God can use that, that, that what others have done or, and our own disobedience or just the normal circumstances of life in this flawed world that we live in <laughs> or a giant sea creature. But God can use these. He can use these and he can use them for his glory and he can use them for his purpose if we let him. Because here's the rest of the story, and this is still happening from within the big fish. In chapter 2, verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord. Now, just in case you're not caught up, this is the same Lord that he was trying to run from and he wanted nothing to do with, but now he's in the belly of the fish and he's praying to the Lord from inside the fish fish. I encourage you to go read this prayer. It's pretty much all of chapter two of Jonah. It's just this just crying out prayer to God from inside the fish, from inside the darkest place that Jonah could have ever imagined himself to be, right? From inside the darkest and lowest point in his life, because there's no guarantee of salvation, I mean, this is like the worst case scenario that I think Jonah could have come up with. And friends, look at verse one. If you feel like you are, or if you know that you are in the darkest part of your life right now that you've ever experienced before, I urge you to do what Jonah does in his dark point. He calls out to God. He cries out to the Lord. And the very best response we find in verse 10, because it says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. It just happened in June, so it's, it happens. Actually, that wasn't the best part. The next, this is the next best part. Because now we're in chapter 3. Short little chapters, short books. Verse 1 of Jonah 3. And it says, this is the good news. I love this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. A second time. Did the Lord have to speak to Jonah again? Or could the Lord have been done with Jonah? He, he, he could have just been done. I'll find somebody else. But the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Nineveh was in a bad way. 
the, the way they were living, the way they were functioning as an entire society was horrible, and God was going to pour out his judgment upon them. And he wants the prophet Jonah to go and tell them and warn them things are about to get bad if they do not change the way that they're living. So the Lord tells them a second time to go and do this. And I just, I read that porch community and I just, I love the fact that our God gives us a second time. I love that. His mercy and his grace towards us is, is made evident through Jesus Christ. The second time, that salvation that is here we read about in Jonah is the, the second time, the salvation, the offer of us to turn from our ways and follow after the Lord. And it's made possible through Jesus. I love that we get the second time. And, when, and I think about it in, in context of us today. Jesus is the second time. Jesus is that, that second opportunity we need. We need in our lives. Verse 3. 3. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. So this time he obeys. And he went to Nineveh, a city so large, it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed. They believed. They believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least in their society, in their, in their city, they declared a fast, and they put on burlap to show their sorrow. They repented. They mourned their sin, and they repented. And here in verse 10 of Jonah 3, it says this, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. What can we learn from Jonah? What can we learn from Jonah and this something that's in the water? Whale, big fish, don't know, it's something. What can we learn from this? Well, if you follow him, if you hear his voice, if you've heard him nudge you, speak to you through, through the message, through worship, through reading scripture, through prayer, through silence, through reading devotions, through any number of ways in which God speaks to us daily, regularly, if we just listen, if you follow him, I, I, I know this, he has something for you to do. That he has a, a city, he has a, a group of people, there, there's a purpose for you that he has, and he wants you to have an impact in that. That you have a purpose as a follower of Jesus. And he, he wants you to do this, and he wants you to have a, a purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in your name, not in the name of a church, but in the name of Jesus and when we hear God speak, and like I said, I think he speaks to us every single day. The choice is right there. Do we run? Do we run away from him? Or, or better yet, do we run to him and go, okay, 
yes, what, what more do you want me to do? What do we do? Do we ignore? Do we go, no, I, I know a better way. No, I, I know what's best. I don't want to do what you said, God. I mean, thanks for the input, but I'm going to go. I've got it figured out. This is the best possible swoop, and I'm going to go with it. My prayer as I've been working on this message and thinking about sharing it with you from Jonah is simply that instead of running 3,000 miles in the opposite direction, that we would just choose to run to him. And um, the, the best news is no matter how far away we've run, when we turn around and direct our feet back towards him, he's right there. This is the the something in the water I think we can take from this story of Jonah today. Let's pray together. God, oh my goodness, forgive us for us thinking we've got it figured out. Forgive us for thinking that, that even when we clearly hear from you, we choose another way. Lord, I do believe that there is something that you have for each of us. And it, and it might seem small on the, on the scale of things. It might seem insignificant to some. But you want to use it for your glory and for your purpose. God, I just pray we would hear from you. We would seek you. That we would humble ourselves and, and not come to you and hear from you in pride but in humility and that we would choose to obey and respond to you in a way that is of an act of worship and God when we find ourselves in the dark place and yes often it might be because we put ourselves there I thank you so much that when we call out to you, you hear our prayers. So God, would you hear our prayers this morning? And when you set us back on the path of purpose, and praise for who you are, You didn't have to tell Jonah to do anything. You don't have to ask us to do a thing. You don't have to give us opportunities to be a part of what you're doing, yet you do. I just pray we'd be faithful to that. God, we love you. We thank you for the second time (laughs) that you give us through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.